Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And I am finally ready to release the results of my investigation that was conducted between Las Vegas and Area 51 almost one week ago. Today's date is June 24, 2018. And some aspects of what I'm about to tell you may seem a bit redundant if you are a regular listener of this podcast. And why wouldn't you be? But that's okay. Uh, and I want to, in this particular podcast, cover as much of the, uh, the territory as possible. So that if someone only listens to this particular podcast, then, uh, well, it'll fill you in pretty well. That said, of course, I am joining you from Las Vegas, Nevada. I have been coming out to Las Vegas for many years, but I've been especially busy here recently. Last year, in 2017, I came here to film a television show. This year, I came back to film another television pilot and, of course, to produce my big event on the Strip, the Finding Your Magic event at uh, MGM's Excalibur Hotel. Uh, I have a lot of projects going on in the area, and so I finally decided to just go ahead and get a condo here so I can stay in the Vegas area as long as I want when I'm working on projects, and so that I can also go out and explore some of these odd sites that are strewn around Las Vegas throughout the desert. And so it was perfect timing when I received an email from a California engineer named Ronald Heath. Now, he is a brilliant man who has spent decades working in Silicon Valley and producing all kinds of different instruments, creating things, inventing things. I think he even has a book or two out there. And he wrote me about his new creation called the Differential Time Rate Meter, or DT Meter. And I want to read you a bit of the first email that he sent me about this meter. He says, remember the episode of the X-Files where Agent Mulder places a stopwatch by his car, carries another with him to investigate a UFO at a UFO site, and if the stopwatches were different, it was a real UFO, because no technology that is taught in school is able to change the local time rate. He says, if you split each second into a million parts and counted each part, that is what the DT meter will do for you. The purpose of owning this meter is to detect and measure the effects of technology that is able to bend space-time. Examples of this technology would be a UFO that bends space-time or uses gravity as part of its propulsion system. He says, a reported case of an actual time rate deviation due to a filmed UFO was Ray Stanford's Project Starlight International, which is now defunct. He said they recorded several UFO-related EM disturbances, which is electromagnetic disturbances, and one in which a magnetometer, a gravimeter, and a WWV time signal deviated at the same time. The calibration tone showed that the equipment was operating normal, 
This occurred on July 19th of 1978 with two UFOs filmed at that time. So I think what you can clearly see here is he is saying that whatever technology is often associated with these truly exotic craft and stuff like that might be capable of bending space and time. And so as soon as I I read that, I thought, you know, uh, I have an idea about how to test this because on occasion I am a speaker at the International UFO Congress, which is the largest uh, UFO enthusiast gathering in the world. And it happens once a year. It used to be here in Nevada. Uh, Now it takes place in Arizona. And I was a speaker there in 2015, and uh, one of the most fascinating programs, I mean, this was after, I think after I'd spoken, I got to sit in the audience with Lauren and watch live on stage the controversial Bob Lazar take the stage and be interviewed by Vegas journalist George Knapp about the work that Bob Lazar had supposedly done at Area 51, which was, which is, of course, this uh, classified military installation, which is north of Las Vegas. And Bob Lazar, um, he did more than anybody to sort of popularize the fact that Area 51 was being used to back engineer crashed and retrieved UFO debris. He, uh, he was considered and is considered by many to be a whistleblower, and there are all kinds of attempts made to discredit him. Um, but whatever, he claims that uh, one of the things he was tasked with was taking some kind of an engine that had been retrieved from, uh, I guess, a crashed flying saucer-type UFO. And the weirdest part of it was that it had some type of gravity-distorting technology that was... Um, there was a part of how this mechanism worked. He said, for example, you could take a candle and put it right next to the engine. And this engine was not that big. It was maybe like uh, the size of a basketball or something. But you could take a candle and you could put it right near this engine and the flame would freeze, just absolutely freeze in what appeared to be midair, which they took as an indication that there was something happening that was manipulating time hence this fabric we call space-time. And the only thing we know of that can do that is uh, something that messes around with, you know, with gravity and gravity fields. But anyway, uh, he and other people have talked about the fact that that's supposedly one of the things that they have worked on or do work on at Area 51. So I thought, well, what better place to go to try out this new DT meter? Because I figured, well, if this is some gigantic facility, and we know it is a huge facility, and they are working on some large quantity of technology that is screwing around with space-time, well, maybe if I just get close to the base with this meter, it'll show me some kind of an anomaly, no matter how tiny it may be, because we are dealing with extremely tiny, subtle changes here. So in order to do that properly, the general concept was, okay, I'm going to leave from Las Vegas. I'm going to drive hundreds of miles north to Area 51 and even beyond past Rachel, Nevada. And then along the way, stop 
every 30 to 40 miles depending on the opportunity to pull off on the side of the road and test things with this meter as a control as a reference point and so I envisioned how exciting it would be if maybe everything along the way looked normal and then you get to area 51 and whoa everything goes bonkers wouldn't that be interesting that's kind of what you would expect to happen um that's actually not what happened and so uh i'm going to get back to those readings here in a minute i will tell you uh that in addition to that i was of course using geiger counters along the way i never recorded anything with the geiger counter that was out of the ordinary in the in the desert sands um I was using a Trifield Natural EM Meter Model 2, which has a, an external coil antenna you can plug into it to make it even more sensitive, and I had it on the radio microwave setting. So in other words, I was able to have great sensitivity to any type of radio-oriented transmissions in the area. And sure enough, right as i mean like the whole trip there was nothing out of the ordinary with the radio microwave and then right as we got uh near the the first big entrance to area 51 i started getting these big pulses of radio waves um maybe not you know not not gigantic but very distinctive and i recorded all this stuff and it's in my video presentation so you can see but that's still not that unexpected because you're like, okay, it's a military base. I'm getting some weird, you know, artificial readings. Maybe they have uh, some, there's some kind of transmission going on here. I don't know if they're pinging your car or if they are uh, just communicating about you or something that happens is being, you know, is traveling through the radio frequencies. But um, also in the area, I also discovered there are these odd petroglyphs strewn all around of some kind of an alien looking humanoid that they now call Piranagat Man uh, so that just adds a little extra touch to the local lore but at night of course we went out into the desert right by Area 51 and uh, on an extremely quiet peaceful silent beautiful night we observed the skies with paratemporal third generation night vision goggles and I had these hooked up to a rig so that I could record whatever I I witnessed in night vision and on a number of occasions we never saw anything and by we I'm talking about my wife Lauren and I we never saw anything uh, that was extraordinary with the naked eye but there were on a number of occasions things that we could see zipping around over the base Sometimes they were just objects that looked maybe like satellites or space junk. In other cases, they were flashing, but there was no noise, like maybe they were some kind of drones. But to be honest with you, I didn't record anything over Area 51 at night that uh, I probably couldn't record just about anywhere else in the country because I've gotten some amazing footage, and I know a lot of people who have, all over the country. So, what that means is that my measurements around Area 51, around the actual base, were fairly normal. There, there wasn't much extraordinary. And so, that seemed at, at first like a bit of a disappointment. 
But then I went back and I started looking at all my data and I was like, well, what the heck? Because here I am, again, it's Lauren and myself, we're taking this journey, we're stopping, and we had one spot along the way where time seemed to slow down. And it wasn't at Area 51. Now, when you use the DT meter, the meter is just a little blue rectangular box, and it's got a little screen there that says 0.000000, and it's always supposed to say zero, and it's, it's hooked to a 100-foot cable, and on the other end of that cable is a sensor. And that sensor is constantly sending signals back and forth along this cable. And the cable, uh, well, or, the, or the, the meter is measuring how long it takes for the signal to get from one point to another. So when the signal is getting there when it's supposed to, your reading is zero. But then you can also tell if it gets there a little faster than it's supposed to or a little more slowly than it's used to. And so... Um, we would stop and it was kind of weird and awkward you know to go out into the desert for a ways and then roll this cable out and take a measurement and i'd uh, been in such communication with ron heath i mean we talked at length about you know how to do this properly making sure i understood everything the calibration process you know i really knew uh how to operate this machine and in fact um the, the the smallest like really reliable level at which you could pick up an anomaly would be in the range of one one hundred thousandth of a second so if you took a second and you sliced it into a hundred thousand pieces you can detect pretty much if, if one of those pieces speeds up or slows down and so the whole time I did this and and I'd played with it here in Las Vegas just when I got it then going through this whole process of taking it up and down to Area 51, logging exactly where I was. I have a very detailed log. I've got a map and all that stuff you'll see in my video presentation. Only once during that entire process did I receive a deviation. And I was videotaping at the time. And it was about, uh, I want to say... 39 miles. I've got my logbook here. Okay, it was 39.7 miles from where I started. And I started actually on South Las Vegas Boulevard, not too far from the South Point Hotel Casino. And from there, we drove straight up on the route to go to uh, uh, Area 51. And basically, you're on I-15, you're on Interstate 15, and then you... Uh, you take a left off of that and you go on to Route 93. And there was a lot of construction and so there was a lot of barricades on either side of the road. And so after we reached a little point past that fork between the interstate and the route, we got out and we started taking measurements in the desert right there by the interstate, between the interstate and the route. And we got this deviation of 20 microseconds. So what that means is that for 20 microseconds time slowed down now this may seem slightly boring if you're not really into technical data but hey um 
it's kind of funny because this is only supposed to happen if a black hole approaches Earth or if you did something crazy like picked up the sensor and spun it around really fast in a circle or something like that. I don't even know how fast you'd have to spin it. You'd probably destroy the sensor. So the equipment was used perfectly and, and yet we got a reading that was so significant that it looked like the kind of thing that you could only explain if a black hole came into the neighborhood, which of course we know did not happen. So what does that mean? Um, it was the only time this occurred, and everything was being done properly according to the handbook. So I decided to contact, of course, Ronald Heath, the man who made this thing, and say, what do you think of this result? And I sent it to him, and he wrote me back an email, and the first things he wrote were, wow, that is incredible. And then he started asking about, you know, repeatability and all that kind of stuff. And so I called him, and we discussed the fact that, you know, again, this is not supposed to happen, but up until now, people have not had a, a convenient tool to take out to look and see if it does happen. You know, he, he mentioned Richard C. Hoagland has done um, some experiments along these lines. I remember years ago watching Richard C. Hoagland on some kind of Egyptian documentary where he was running around the pyramids and he had... Uh, I think it was a Rolex or something, and he was watching to see if it would speed up or slow down. And then also, apparently, uh, I think Ron said that uh, Richard C. Hoagling said that he's seen tuning forks sort of speed up or slow down. So there have been very specialized examples of people maybe creating their own little rig to run around and, and look for this. But for the first time now, this meter, this DT meter exists, which is a user-friendly device. And I want you to understand something right now. I do not have any kind of an arrangement to sell or market or promote the DT meter. Um, nothing like that has even been discussed. So I'm not here trying to sell a product to you. I'm just telling you that it's amazing to me that now this is going to be available to those of you who want to go out and see what's happening in your neck of the woods because that's what we need now. This may seem like something incredible because I was the first guy to get out and document something like this, uh, I suppose. Because Ron told me, he said, I've had two of these things running for months in California and logging on a consistent basis everything that they were recording. He says, I've never seen that reading before. That's, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? So... What if we have these sort of time-space distortions that are all over Earth, and it's not something that's necessarily created by the government or whatever, or some alien technology? Maybe it's just a natural aspect of Earth that we never dreamed was possible. It's like, you know, for the longest time, there were only you know, nine planets and I think it wasn't until the 1990s when all of a sudden it's began to explode. And now there's thousands of planets, you know. 
There was a time up until just recently when black holes were simply theoretical. Now scientists say, oh, it turns out there's a black hole in the middle of every galaxy. So this could be another example of something that has been under our noses, but we just didn't have a way to measure it properly. And once we know where it is, we find it connected to places where paranormal phenomena occurs. Because don't you think it's interesting that right around the outskirts of Las Vegas, researchers have been recording extremely weird lights and various luminous phenomena for years. You've heard me talk about Steve Barone, who gets out every night and records. And in fact, uh, in my video presentation, I've even got a little of Steve Barone's footage. Because it has always been my belief, and I've written about this for many years, that time is an essential key component of what we call the strange, inexplicable, and paranormal. So it relates to ghosts, it relates to UFOs, it relates to cryptids, it relates to ESP. And even if you've heard me talk about why this is before, let me run through it again very quickly. You look at ghosts. Ghosts, uh, they usually appear out of their normal place and time, right? So they are usually from the past, some kind of image or information from the past. Though they can come from the future. Um, UFOs, you have these stories about, you know, the guy driving the pickup truck on a Wednesday night at 10 p.m. in the middle of Texas, and all of a sudden a flying saucer appears overhead, shoots down a beam. The guy's truck stops working. But then the saucer flies away and the guy's truck starts working again. He doesn't have to turn the ignition again. It's not like it shut down his engine. It's as if there was a pause in time that may not have affected him mentally, but it did affect the things around him. When it comes to cryptids, you have these stories about, you know, people are following Bigfoot's footprints, and all of a sudden, in mid-pathway, the footprints are gone. Well, where did Bigfoot go, right? Obviously, he was able to dramatically alter his position in space, and since space and time are connected into space-time, well, that means time was altered. Psychic phenomena, people being able to look into the future, into the past, precognition, postcognition time is always a central element here and if you talk to the best physicists and cosmologists and astrophysicists they'll all tell you and show you all these models claiming that all time is happening at once and what varies is your point of view and your perspective of time and so it may be that if we understand more and more about how these areas sort of change the way we experience time and space then that might also be why they allow us to experience and perceive occasionally these things that are very unusual to us that we consider paranormal so all that said i thought wow how exciting is it to think that i may have been the first person to document an actual space-time anomaly outside of all places the great city of las vegas and again not where i thought i might get something at area 51 but much closer to civilization and so what i want to do here is read you the official press release that i have put out space-time anomaly discovered near las vegas 
Do you ever feel the traffic lights in Las Vegas take too long? There may be a good reason. Joshua P. Warren, a professional investigator who has appeared on the History Channel, Discovery Channel, and Nat Geo, claims he has documented a, quote, space-time warp on the outskirts of Vegas. I am the first person to use a brand new technology, a differential time rate meter or DT meter to search for time anomalies near Vegas, says Warren. I traveled to Area 51 for tests, but I found the strangest reading much closer to Vegas. Warren documented time slowing down by 20 microseconds which is 2100 thousandths of a second, just north of Vegas between I-15 and Route 93. He is calling this the Vegas Interstate Time Anomaly, or VISTA. And he says this is only supposed to happen if a black hole approaches Earth. Thus, his result is truly inexplicable. Engineer Ron Heath, who invented the DT meter, called the result, quote, incredible. Quote, this is also an area where many strange lights have been recorded in the sky at night, Warren said. I think there may be a space-time warp on the edges of the city, but there has been so much man-made tech nearby that it's taken a while to realize what's naturally happening in the surrounding hills and mountains, End quote. Warren believes the Vegas Valley may indeed be a natural hotspot for strange activity due to these space-time warps, but he is open to the idea that government technology is causing them. Quote, there are many secret projects taking place around here. Last year, the Pentagon confessed to back-engineering UFO tech here, and now President Trump is forming a space force. Las Vegas is an important crossroads for strange phenomena. And it may be a combo of what is naturally here and how the government is taking advantage of it, end quote. Warren says his research has just begun and you can watch a short video on his results by visiting his personal website, joshuapwarren.com. And if you go to joshuapwarren.com, you'll just be able to currently click the link. It should be a yellow link at the top of the homepage that will bring you to my all my compiled results for the Vegas Interstate Time Anomaly or VISTA and uh, while you're there yes there will be links to all kinds of great supplemental material including a link to the DT meter which uh, Ron Heath will have from time to time available as he makes them on uh, eBay if you want to get one of these I'd love to hear about your results in your hometown I also have pictures there of Piranagat Man and uh, a link to footage from Steve Baron. Um, but this is a project that's just just beginning, as the press release said. I mean, I now want to go around this whole area and start seeing if I can map space-time anomalies. Is there going to be some kind of a pattern that emerges and it reminds me of you know that story about Benjamin Franklin always traveling back and forth between the United States and Europe 
realizing that it takes sometimes two weeks longer to come back from Europe than it does to get there. Well, everybody knew that. All the mariners knew that, but nobody knew why. And so from that point, Benjamin Franklin would start taking trips to Europe and back, and along the way he would dip an empty bottle of Madeira, which was a Spanish wine, and take a temperature reading of the water. And after he did this enough times and plotted those points, he realized that there was what appeared to be something like a river of warm water flowing from west to east in the middle of the Atlantic, which he called the Gulf Stream. So he discovered the Gulf Stream, and he even put a map out showing it, but for at least four years people ignored it and lost a lot of money because they were still fighting that current when they could have just avoided it if they'd paid attention to his tech. This is what we're talking about when we take technology out and we try to plot points. It's like plotting points in, in the Caribbean and starting to realize after a while they're forming something like a triangle, hence the Bermuda Triangle. Well, this is a new form of plotting. Um, event by event, investigation by investigation, observer by observer. If if you and I work together, wherever you may be in this world, and we start plotting these points where we get space-time anomalies, we may be able to create an entirely new overlay, a whole new map to overlay on top of Earth that will probably match up pretty darn well with reports of paranormal activity and give us even deeper insight into the complex nature of the relationship between our planet geologically, atmospherically, between our galaxy cosmically, and the way that human perception sort of fits into all this as we experience the passing of time and the occasional blurring, twisting, flickering of space-time. That's why this is important. That's why this is interesting. It's fun to say maybe the traffic lights seem to take a little longer here because of it. That's a fun little spin. And maybe it's true. I mean, that is a phenomenon. People do joke about it here all the time. Um, But there's something much more significant here. When you look at the weird lights that are seen around Las Vegas, and now we have a reading like this. So for now, I hope that you will go to joshuapwarren.com. Click the link to the complete report. Watch the video that lasts less than three minutes that shows you my actual documentation. Click the links to the supplemental material and uh, pass it along. Send it to everybody that you think might be interested in this because this could be the beginning of a whole new moment of discovery. Shining one more candle into the darkness again my website is joshuapwarren.com there is no period after the p joshuapwarren.com and this podcast is always short and it's always free it's called joshua p warren daily you can subscribe through various means if you click the podcast link on my site or just follow me on twitter at joshuapwarren at joshuapwarren and I will post when a new one is available. So, that's it for today. What an exciting day. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.